Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, October 9th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's a college football weekend, and we talk to the beat writers, starting with Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State. The Wildcats play at TCU and are in high spirits with a 2-0 start in Big 12 play. The health and status of starting quarterback Skylar Thompson is unknown, but freshman Will Howard looked good in last weekend's victory over Texas Tech. And another freshman, running back Deuce Vaughn, has proven to be one of the nation's most dynamic players. Quarterback is also in the news at Missouri, where Connor Bazelak gets the starting nod for the first time this season against LSU. Beat writer Suichi Tirada takes us through the decision to start Bazelak over Sean Robinson and the impact of Saturday's game moving from Baton Rouge to Columbia because of the weather in the Gulf. Finally, we talk Kansas with Gary Bedore. The Jayhawks are off to an 0-2 league start and don't play this weekend. They got some bad news on the recruiting trail this week, and Gary tells us about that. So let's get going, talking college football weekend with Kellis Robinette. Kellis Robinette covers Kansas State for the star, but you already knew that. We've talked to Kellis so many times. Um, Kellis, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself, Blair? Doing all right. Uh you know, running down COVID news uh, today, so that's uh, gives gives away a little bit of a hint. We're recording this on on Wednesday, uh, a few days after Kansas State's really nice thirty one twenty one victory over uh, Texas Tech, and a few days before the Wildcats go to Fort Worth to play TCU. And Kellis, it was um, there were things good and bad about the the Cats' win. Over over the Red Raiders, the good is, of course, the win. The they they overcame a deficit in the fourth quarter, but they did lose Skylar Thompson in that game. Uh, Skylar, who played so well against uh, Oklahoma the week before that, uh, but Will Howard showed up and played um, uh, great, uh, the freshman quarterback. So let's start with where it stands with the quarterback situation right now. Yeah, still a little bit up in the air. Um... Kansas State fans obviously were a little worried when Skylar Thompson had to leave that game and came back out to the sideline for the second half and watched with his right arm in a sling. That's never uh, a good sign for your quarterback. Um, but uh, somewhat surprisingly, Chris Kleiman has said that he, you know, tests have checked out fairly well on him. They were hoping that he could get some reps in this week and maybe even play this weekend against TCU. Personally, I think that's a little optimistic, um, especially when you look at the schedule and realize that they've got a a week off coming up right after this, and then they play Kansas at home. If you want to be smart with him, you could, I mean, very easily just say, sit this one out. We'll try to win it with Will Howard and have you back at full health later on in the season. I think that's probably the route they go, but you know what? At the same time, if, uh, if Skyler is a quick healer and he's ready to go, there's no reason to hold him out. So I think there's still some uncertainty there. Uh, that might be a game time decision. I guess we'll just see. But I, I, I guess the the good thing about last week is that Will Howard proved he he can uh, win a game for the Wildcats, even if he necessarily wasn't the guy making all the plays. Kansas State feels comfortable with both quarterbacks. Yeah, it sounds like Will Howard um, has the confidence of the coaching staff for sure, and really, uh, it was a confidence boosting game for him being able to. You know, he he was the quarterback who who he was in the game when the Wildcats lost the lead, but he was also the guy that that um, you know he, he gets the save, <laughs> if not being if, if if not being the winning pitcher. You know, uh, depends on how the the scorer wants to judge this one. But uh, but no, I I thought he was I thought he did a good job. And look, we uh, this Kansas State team has an emerging star in, in in running back Deuce Deuce Vaughn. So with you know you can you can create a game plan to 
um, you know, to emphasize uh, Vaughn or, or others. And, and I, I trust this coaching staff to script up something that, um, you know, that, that uh, would take advantage of, uh, of what, you know, what Will Howard's doing and what he can do. Listen, you're right. Skylar Thompson's a, a veteran, a leader, a winner, all of that big game guy. And this is a big game coming up for the first place Wildcats. But I, I don't know if they should go to Fort Worth if, if Skylar Thompson's not playing, thinking that they're at a big disadvantage. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see the odds makers put it at, at 10 points, an advantage for TCU. Uh, just because presumably they think Will Howard is going to play. I don't think that there's just an enormous drop-off between those two players. He would obviously rather have Skyler, and he was playing quite well before he got injured in that game, so it's it's certainly not like they're looking to turn the page here or anything. But um, Will Howard is, is very capable. I, I think one thing that sets up well for him right now is that um, Kansas State's offense this season really hasn't been wide receiver-driven. Um, other than Sebastian Taylor, nobody's really stepped up there. They haven't thrown a ton of passes out wide on the perimeter that you need a big arm to do. Most of their biggest plays have all been hit trouts to Deuce Vaughn, um, finding Briley Moore, their new tight end across the middle. Those were the two plays that really saved him against Texas Tech. He, he comes up with a 60-plus yard gain to a tight end, 70-yard touchdown pass to Vaughn, and he didn't really throw the ball more than 10 or 15 yards uh, across the middle on either play. So if they can keep figuring out ways to allow him to, you know, pepper that side part of the field where he doesn't have to throw like fade routes to the opposite hash and stuff like that, I think uh, I think they'll be okay offensively. Okay, and look, TCU's had a nice start to their season. Um, uh, you know, there's a reason why they're the the favorite, as you mentioned. The um, you know the Horn Frogs coming off the the victory over Texas, which has been you know. <laughs> Uh, not uncommon for for the Gary Patterson coach team. What is it, seven and two against the Longhorns as members of the Big Twelve? So, um, quite a you know quite an accomplishment for TCU. They lost to Iowa State the previous week, but uh, came back and won um, at Austin. So, uh, and, and um, look, that's uh, they, they've they've been pretty good competitive games when Kansas State and Texas Tech or um, TCU have gotten together over the years. So it uh, should, should be a good one at Fort Worth, no matter who the quarterback is for Kansas State. One thing we know is um, Chris Kleiman uh, will enter that game with a new contract, or at least have agreed to a new contract. And I was uh, it was interesting when that news broke, Callis, just because with all the financial troubles that colleges are having in, in, the, uh, in the pandemic, that Kansas State would take this time to announce the the contract uh the new contract so what do you think was behind that the timing of it and then we can go into the details here in a moment yeah the optics are definitely strange um to announce that you're bumping up your football coach's salary from 2.5 to ultimately 4.3 million dollars a year um during a pandemic in which he currently is taking a a pay cut he's i believe it's 20 percent i i don't remember exactly the top of my head but he is taking a pay cut this season Many other Kansas State staffers are doing the same. They've had some layoffs. So uh, it's definitely difficult for some to understand where this money is coming from. But um, basically what it comes down to is that during the offseason, before all this pandemic stuff hit, um, Gene Taylor was very happy with the direction of the football team. They'd won uh, eight games. They went to the Liberty Bowl. And uh, he – 
told Chris Kleiman that he wanted to, you know, do everything that he could to make sure that he was comfortable and that his uh, coaching is assistant coaching staff was comfortable here. So he spent a few months giving all of his, all of his assistants um, small raises. Um, and they, he also then began discussing a new contract with Chris Kleiman and it was, you know, there was no rush to do it, um, to finalize it just because he, he made it clear he wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, he had a, he was in it here for the long haul. So, you know, we'll, we'll just sit back and go slow about it. And I guess once they finally did agree on some numbers or whatever, that's when the pandemic did hit. They didn't know if there's going to be football this season or whatever. So they said, let's, let's wait. And I guess now that they are playing and they're coming off a big win against Oklahoma, they figured why not go ahead and announce it now. So that's what they did. Um, I suppose the, the, uh, the good thing about it is that his salary this year is, is the same. It's unchanged. Uh, none of the the pay raises or anything go into next year when hopefully uh, everybody's a little bit more on solid footing financially. And then his contract is uh, more backloaded than frontloaded. He doesn't uh, reach $4 million or plus until later on until the game. Right. I'll read from your story. Um, under the new deal, Kleiman will make $3.1 million in 2021. Salary will increase to 3.5 in 2022 and then $4 million in 2023 and stabilize at $4.3 million throughout the final three years of the deal. Uh, I'm, I'm not, in no way am I suggesting he's undeserving. He, he absolutely is deserving of a, of a raise and the, the, um, the, the, the optics of security here, or at least the perception of security that Kansas state is doing everything it can to keep a coach who has the program on, on the right, uh, going in the right direction. But I'll, I'll, I'll kind of emphasize what you said, Kellis, that at this time, I, I'm not sure it needed to be announced right now. I, I, look, um, a, a, it was agreed upon, and it's it's a done deal. And uh, if if some reporter or citizen even wanted to find out the particulars of the Kansas State football coach contract, they could have done so with just an open records request. So, um, so I guess give credit to Kansas State for for putting it out there that for announcing the the. Uh, the, the contract, uh, the new deal. Uh, I, I don't know of another school that's done this since, um, you know, since the, at least since the beginning of the football season. So it is different. Uh, it is unusual. And fortunately, I think for Chris Kleiman and for Kansas state, when we talk about perception that they're off to a good start in the big 12 tied for first with, with Iowa state and Oklahoma state, people are feeling very, very good about the program. And, um, and so I, I think that that plays into it. If, if, K State had gotten off to you know an zero and three or one and two start. It may it may just seem a little different. Yeah, and you know it, it's it's a little bit of a gamble just because they do tie a lot of um, guaranteed money into Chris Kleiman. Like if if I'm not suggesting this will happen, but if uh, he had a series of bad luck and they started losing a lot of games, in two years they decided they wanted to uh, move on and try to find find a new coach. It would cost him around seventeen million dollars. And that's not something that uh, right now Kansas State can afford to do. Um, now, obviously, that's not the way they're thinking. Uh, just based on what he's done so far, it looks like he's going to have this this team going to bowl games regularly. They're going to want him around. And more than anything, I think just that um, even though maybe he wasn't like in the mix for any other jobs last, last year, I can say that some schools did reach out and at least say, hey, um, would he consider, you know, talking to us about this or that opportunity? Um, and when you look around, you know, he, he's from Iowa. 
maybe down the line uh, something happens with the Hawkeyes and they look to bring in a new coach. All of a sudden, it's quite a bit harder to come out and do that um, with a higher buyout and everything and, and this new contract to Kansas State. So it, it sends a message of stability. It uh, sends a message that they really like the um, trajectory of the program right now. And there is some risk involved with it. But at the same time, um, if, if they can afford it and he keeps on winning, it'll end up being a good thing for him. Heck. 2-0 against Oklahoma makes it a pretty good deal to me. So <laughs> For sure. Yeah. No, I will say Ron Prince was 2-0 against uh, Texas. Once yeah, again. he was. Absolutely he was, and we know how that ended. So, All right, Kellis, great catching up with you, and we will talk to you again soon. All right, thanks a bunch, Blair. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Suichi so Tirada covers the Missouri Tigers for the Kansas City Star, and you've been busy just um, in the last couple of days here, Suichi, keeping up with where Mizzou is going to play its next game. What's the verdict? Yeah, so it seems like Mizzou will not be going to Tiger Stadium down in Baton Rouge. They're actually going to be, be playing at Faroe uh, Field here in Columbia uh, for Saturday's game. And the kickoff time was actually moved from 8 p.m. to 11 a.m., Ed Orgeron actually just spoke on the SEC teleconference call, and, and he said essentially, you know, with the travel, LSE has to play three road games, like just recovery time. They wanted to bump that up. So we're, we're going to see some Mizzou football against LSU for the first time ever at Faroe Field in SEC play. So I think uh, that's, that's kind of exciting in that regard. Kind of amazing when you think about it, With uh, but the way the SEC schedules um, in, in a um, – you know, in, in a conference of 14 members and, um, and, and, and the way that they schedule each other that, um, uh, do I have that right? Is it 14 or yeah. Yeah. 14 members. How, how, yep. how, how soon I forget, um, <laughs> uh, that Missouri and Texas A&M were 13 and 14 in some order. Um, but the, the, the scheduling matrix is such that the, the, um, you know, the teams don't cross over, that often they don't see the crossover division teams that often. So um, you're right. It's, it's first time that LSU will have played at Faroe field as, as sec members. And of course, all this is happening because of hurricane Delta. It's not a COVID related thing. It's a, it's a weather related thing. I, I woke up the other day um, or went to bed the other night. I should say this like on uh, Sunday or Monday night and saw where there was another hurricane coming through that part of the country, but it was at the time just going to be a category two 
And, and there was hope that it would, um, you know, that would sort of die down once it hit landfall. Then I wake up the next morning, upgraded to a category four, you know, it's going to bring you know foot of rain to several places in Louisiana and, and beyond. And that's why this is happening. So, um, so Missouri is going to be the beneficiary of some bad weather in, in the Gulf and LSU coming to Columbia. And you mentioned it. I didn't, it's not a small thing. Um, especially for fans uh, to move to, to start the game at 11 a.m. being played at, uh, you know, in the, you know, in the, in the late morning rather than the, the early evening. That's, I, I don't, you know, every, every fan has their own opinion about when they want games to start. I want them to start as early as possible. And I don't think you can start one earlier than 11 a.m. Uh, so what, you said Ogeron at Ogeron was uh, was just on a conference call. What what else did he have to say about uh, coming to Mizzou? Yeah, the thing he didn't say too much, but the thing that I kind of took away was that the logistics still aren't really squared away. I mean, you, you have to realize like LSU has to get you know a block of hotels. They got to figure out practice plan, flight, charter flights, all of these different things. So he, I believe, he said that he doesn't really know if LSU is going to travel down. Thursday or Friday still. They plan to have a walkthrough on Friday at like a conference center uh, here in Columbia and stuff like that. So still things are still moving around for LSU. I mean, it's, it's funny, Blair, just because of the way college football scheduling works, of course, you, you schedule this out week, years in advance and then we're seeing some flexibility now. And I think uh, just with COVID and now you got a hurricane, it's just all these things that uh, 2020 still brings around. But, but yeah, I, the thing is, uh, Mizzou, Mizzou fans, if you were a season ticket holder or donor, you can purchase tickets, but that's until, I believe, tomorrow afternoon. There's a certain timeline. So if you want to come out to the Thoreau Field, you, you can more than do that. But things are kind of on the fly. I actually got a couple emails about just credentials for this weekend uh, from LSU and Mizzou, respectively, being like, hey, if you're planning to be here Saturday, let us know ASAP so we can actually get this figured out just because – uh, you know, luckily we're not on a Thursday or Friday schedule where it got changed. But, you know, on a Wednesday, it, it does give some time, but it is, you know, it, it's kind of time to start boiling down and figuring out those logistics and everything. So it's uh, a lot of moving pieces still, but luckily there will still be football played uh, that is not uh, affected by COVID. Uh, though I guess fingers crossed just because with the nature of COVID, we never really know when uh, things things just move or things change by, by the hour of the day. Right. No, it's, it's crazy. Absolutely. Look, I don't, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what to make of, of LSU. I don't know how the changing of venue is going to affect the game. I, I, I thought, look, if LSU's playing Missouri at home, the defending national champions, and even though um, the, the, the LSU Tigers tripped up in their first game by the Mike Leach Mississippi State Bulldogs, that um, that still the whatever the line was, I think it was 20 or so or 20 and a half. Uh, with LSU favored would do, you know, I, I guess I could buy that. I don't know what moving the game to Columbia will do to that. Uh, but uh, it's still a, I, I think LSU will still come to Columbia as a pr- prohibitive favorite in, in the game, but look, they ha- they have proven vulnerable this year. Uh, and, um, and we'll, and we'll get into this in a moment too. You know, Missouri's going to be going with a different quarterback, at least to, to start the game. So, how it is, um, you know, I, I know you're starting to get into breaking down the game. What are sort of early thoughts on Mizzou-LSU as a, as a contest? Yeah, uh, the betting line actually hasn't moved too much, I believe. It, it started at 19, and it kind of swelled to 20.5. Uh, third straight game where Mizzou is a double-digit underdog, I believe it. It ended around 28 for Alabama, and then around 13, 
I want to say for Tennessee, maybe a little lower. Uh, so yeah, that's that's you know three very difficult games in a row for Mizzou, and, and really just because you know LSU lost a lot of players, and we and we talk about Clyde Edwards Elair, I guess here at, at Kansas City a lot, is because he plays for the Chiefs and Joe Burrow with the Bengals. But you know LSU is still a very talented team. I, I still think. This is going to be kind of a, a game where they're going to be more talented just because of the nature of the game and the recruits and, and how it is in the SEC and where Mizzou stands for it. But I, I still think, you know, Mizzou maybe, maybe might be able to kind of put up a dogfight kind of like they did with Alabama in the sense that they can move the ball a little bit. I think, as you mentioned with Basilak, like he, he really gets an opportunity to move the ball that Robinson maybe doesn't. And, and really – and I'll write about this, Blair, and we talked about this off-air just before jumping on, but I'm looking at film and just the vertical passing game from Mizzou just is so different with Basilak. And, and Drink was mentioned that pretty much with every play he calls, there's kind of a deep pass element or a deep ball element to each play. So that's kind of decision-making with the quarterback. And as we see, as we saw against Tennessee for Basilak, like he, he's not afraid to sling it a little bit. And, and we'll, we'll have a story up at KansasCity.com tomorrow on that diving a little deeper, but... It, it just seems like the Robinson run game just, just hasn't been working, whether that's been, you know, stretching it horizontally or the option looks. It, it just it just hasn't worked with his legs. That's kind of a mystery maybe. You know, Drink was kind of sounded frustrated against Tennessee Ford. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing, uh, just to see how Mizzou is able to move the ball, just because, you know, like I wrote after the Alabama game, they were able to do that. Maybe not so much against Tennessee. They were still able to, but it just comes down to coming to the end zone. So if they are able to do that, you know, obviously touchdowns, you need to put up points on the board, touchdowns to win games. But it really does come down to consistency. So if they are able to do that, then, then maybe with the home factor and having fans and, and not having to travel, I think, is a big thing. You know, going into a hurricane, I think with all those factors, uh, you know, it might be shaping up just to, for Mizzou maybe to shock some folks. Uh not even with just a win, but just making it competitive. That base, you, you mentioned, um, you know, Basilak's um, ability. I, I, he, what a nice touch he has on the ball. Um, he, he um, that that fourth and one pass to Christofferson, the tight end, um, that set up the, the the second touchdown for the Tigers was really a thing of beauty, and that's something that I, I don't think. Um, I don't think we see Sean Robinson make now. Now maybe Robinson becomes the change of pace quarterback, right? And uh, and and we'll see him get a couple of series or start a couple of series in the games. But uh, um, I just think it's a look. We're looking at a a quarterback who has a, a nice arm with a good touch, and maybe that plays into more of what Eli Drinkwitz wants to do with this offense. Yeah, exactly, and. and- you know, there was that play, and I actually just pulled this one, but there was kind of a botch snap that uh, Basilak mentioned yesterday when we spoke to him on Tuesday. Uh, essentially, he it sound, um, the botch snap came from my Eddie, the center, and then after Basilak picked it up, uh, he was able to find Kiki Chisholm on kind of a broken play, and then Basilak essentially said that apparently the Tennessee defenders were clapping, and that's how they, you know, that's how they do the snap counts. Uh, with Mizzou and, and you know based out of the shotgun so it, it led to just some confusion and then the fumble essentially and amazing like was able to kind of make a play with it so he kind of shows some savviness and yeah it, just like you mentioned Blair I mean his arm I think is is the biggest thing and we we actually saw a little bit of that last year and I tweeted this I remember it was just basically like just didn't play that much 
you know, up to this point, even he hasn't played that much. You know, the Tennessee game, he played three quarters. That's the most he's played in college football. But I mean, this all this kid does is get first downs and move the ball, and and that you know, obviously the next step is getting those touchdowns. But he he's shown an ability, you know, whether that's garbage time in Georgia or even Arkansas starting the game, like he's shown an ability to get the ball off and make nice plays. And I mean. I really do think he he was hampered quite a bit by the drops. I mean, there was a big one to Dominic Jacinto that could have gone for 86 yards because just because he was wide open against that Tennessee secondary. So, it you know if if a few more things went right and none of which were Basilak's fault, I think Ten- Mizzou would have been a lot more competitive with Tennessee and his stats would have looked a lot better than it did uh, initially. So. It's a lot of cause for optimism, I think, um, but it really does come down to, down to Basilac's arm, which has been a strength so far. I also like the idea of investing in a young quarterback and and you know watching him grow through the program. Uh, Missouri fans will remember this is what this was the Drew Locke path. So um, a lot to a lot to be interested in when uh, L- when LSU visits Missouri on Saturday in Columbia. Now, not in Baton Rouge, so. Hey, Suichi, great catching up with you, and we'll do it again soon. All right. Thanks, boy. Gary Bedore covers the Kansas Jayhawks for the Star. Gary, how you doing today? Good, Blair. Thanks. Hope you're doing Uh, well. Yeah. Yeah, doing okay. Um, Better than the Jayhawk football team that (laughs) – uh, that dropped, uh, I think it was forty-seven to seven to Oklahoma State on on um, on Saturday. Look, Oklahoma State's probably the best team in the conference based on the results of you know the Sooners and the Longhorns this year. Oklahoma State's the highest ranked team in the Big Twelve, and um, no shame in losing to them. It just was a you know, just a rough day for KU, especially with uh, their starting quarterback, the freshman Jalen Daniels, getting hurt. In that game, what do we know about his status? KU doesn't play this week, so there's additional time to heal. But what did what do we know about uh, Jalen Daniels' health? Well, he had a boot on his foot during the third or the fourth quarter. He came back out. He was out from the first quarter. I mean, the second quarter in the locker room all the way till the fourth quarter. But uh, Les Miles said after said on Monday that. He thought he would be back, but uh, he thought he would get the injured guys back. Thomas McVitty was out again with his shoulder. So Jalen Daniels and McVitty, according to Les Miles, should be able to practice uh, after the bye week. But they don't give uh, updates on injuries, so who knows, because one of these weeks – uh, Les Miles said he expected McVitty back, and he hasn't been back since getting hurt in the first game. Right, you just never know. You yeah. never do until until you show up for the game and and uh, see who's working out. Right, who's who's uh, yeah. who's taking the reps. Um, wasn't a total loss on Saturday. There was a nice moment there when Kansas unveiled the statues of the the recently deceased Gale Sayers, along with uh, John Hadle, two great 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 football heroes at KU from the, the the late 50s and 1960s for Sayer. What a, a nice moment for for Kansas. Got me thinking, Gary, how many great athletes came through KU in that time? Let's just start in like the mid-50s to the mid-60s with yeah. 
you know, with Wilt Chamberlain and, you know, Jojo White started his career then and, and Jim Ryan was about to start his career. And yeah. so many, so many great athletes came through Kansas at that time. So, yeah, they've uh, had some of the best players in, in some of the sports, Riggins in football, uh, Al Order in track. Track, uh, yeah. Jim Ryan, like you said, Gail Sayers, they've had basketball, of course, Wilt and, uh, they arguably have some of the greats, you know, in in a lot of sports. Yeah, I can remember looking. I was a I was a card collector when I was a kid, and I can remember getting Bill Bridges and Walt Wesley's basketball cards and looking on the back. And, oh, those guys went to Kansas. How about that? And uh, you know, that was their time too. And and uh, and Wayne Hightower, guys that went on to NBA careers. So, anyway, um, yeah. just uh, again, a nice moment to see the statues of Sayers and, and Hadel. Um, unveiled on on saturday hey uh Kay, you got some interesting news on the recruiting trail this week not great news uh regarding keon coleman the uh, the uh, multi-sport athlete tell us what uh, what he has decided and and what the impact of this is yeah he's a four-star receiver uh and defensive back too i would think possibility for college out of louisiana who committed a while back to KU over Oklahoma, South Carolina, and others. And yesterday he decommitted, which never surprises me in football because unlike basketball, they do that. You know, they they commit and decommit a ton. But with Keon Coleman, he's also a basketball player, and he was planning on walking on here in basketball scholarship and football. He's high-scoring guard who <clears throat> now, uh, you know, Bill Self was going to take him as a, wa- a walk-on, and uh, he has not eliminated KU, but it seems to me when guys decommit, it's kind of rare for them to go back to that original school. But he told me in a message on Twitter that he was still going to consider KU, but again – that, you know, maybe he's just being nice or maybe he will. People thought, for, in the, I'm sure in the football fans, thought he might stay a Jayhawk commitment because of the basketball thing. You know, you get a right. chance to play for self and KU, uh, a blue blood. In But again, being skeptical and two sport, two sport athletes are kind of rare if they want to, and Keon Coleman wants to be in the NFL, he says. So you wonder how long he would have played basketball. I guess it would have depended on how successful he was right away. But hey, I don't do you know. know. Now I don't know if he'll come. I I would think the odds are pretty slim because he's reopened his recruitment. Do you happen to know if if Lon Kruger or Frank Martin made the same offer to let him walk on their basketball programs yeah. at OU in South Carolina? Yeah, I think he uh, he definitely mentioned uh, OU basketball in some different interviews, and I'm sure South Carolina would take him too. I think you have to be willing to recruit him in both to be on his list. Gotcha. Okay, so tough, tough news for Kansas on on um, when it comes to Keon Coleman. It was such a neat story when yeah. he committed. I remember people were pretty excited about the prospect of a of a two sport athlete uh, who, especially this one, is highly regarded as Keon Coleman. Yeah, 
they really uh, it's pretty neat story but maybe maybe bill self will have to you know recruit him harder but he since he's basically football projected for the nfl that's kind of a football recruit so les miles would have to get that thing done Right, right. Okay, the next time uh, Kansas plays football is the following Saturday, October 17th, at West Virginia. Yeah. And then after that, week after that, is at Kansas State. So, all right, Gary, great catching up with you, and we will talk to you again soon. All right, thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today and this week on Sports BKC. Thanks to the production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap today to Kellis Robinette, Suichi Tirada and Gary Bedore for stopping by and talking college sports. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those who want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. Here's how to get it. Go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these can be found at account.com kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down these offers, send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com and we'll get you to the right place. Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening and we'll be back on Monday talking Chiefs Raiders. Raiders.